today we're talking about um, the Holy Spirit again, and we're going to be talking about being led by the Spirit. And um, while I was thinking about being led by the Holy Spirit and what that meant, the only thing I could think of as far as an example is um, Princess Bride. Y'all remember Princess Bride when, um, when he has his sword, right? And he has to find the cave, and he's like, Father, lead me, right? And he's like acting drunk, and he's walking around, and then he thinks he's failed, but then his hand hits the secret entrance, and he goes down, and all that stuff, right? Uh, to me, that's, that's what I picture when I think of being led by the Spirit, right? <laughs> Just kind of walking through life, you know? Cars are whizzing by, you're going through traffic, and nothing's hitting you, and all that stuff. Um, but we're actually going to be looking at uh, a couple of um, two, two main areas in the Bible, in Romans 8 and uh, Galatians 5. So if you have your Bible, or if you have a phone that has the Bible, you can go ahead and use that. And we're going to read Romans 8. But we're going to be talking about living by the Spirit and what that means and how we can do that. Okay? I have not uh, listened to the podcast of Jim's previous teachings but when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's always good. Um, I feel like he's like the, the uncle that nobody talks about in their family, right? Like a lot of attention is brought to God. A lot of attention is brought to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, who is he? You know, like maybe he is a ghost, you know. Um, and I just want to encourage you that he's, I mean, he's God too, right? He's part of the Trinity. He's not just kind of a... The, the like I said, just the uncle that nobody talks about and kind of just ambiguous. And the Bible is very clear that, that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Uh, I, I've always thought about this way. You know, like when Jesus was on the earth, okay, when he was living, he told his disciples, it's better if I go so the Holy Spirit can come. Now, I don't know if only, you know, like what that was all about, but here's what I, was, here's what I, would, here's what I think about when, if I was a disciple hearing Jesus say that. But Jesus, you're right here with us. Like, you're saying something's better than that? And, and what encouragement is that with us? Because how many times would we say, man, I'd love it if Jesus just rolled with me everywhere I went, right? Not, not like, like literal Jesus. Like, he was just chilling with me the whole time. Well, as I went to work, I went to school, you know, he just pulled me out of the way. Watch out, the bird just pooped there. I saved you, you know, or whatever. You know, like, he could help you out so much. But he said... It's better if I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. So when, when stuff like that happens and it doesn't, and I don't really believe that necessarily in my life, like I think like it would be better for Jesus, that means I need to like dig a little bit deeper. So let's talk about what it means to um, live by the Spirit. Here we go, Romans 8. Was that enough time for you all to turn there? It's a couple buttons, right? Before you had to go to the concordance or the uh, appendix. Yeah, not the concordance. <laughs> I know Riken and my wife are going to make fun of me after service about that. Check that off. <laughs> uh, now you're just on your phone. You just go to, okay, you guys are still looking at me. All right, Romans 8.1. Here we go. Um, let's, before we read this, let's pray. Let's pray. Get on the same track here. Father God, as we just, um, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and its role in our life and um, how we can live by the Spirit, Help us, God, just to uh, be open to what you want to teach us today. Help us to be open to hear from you. Um, And I pray that we would all give the Holy Spirit just freedom just to um, speak to us, to to highlight certain things, to call out certain areas of our life. And uh, I pray, God, that I I would serve everyone well by preaching your truth 
in, in presenting it how, um, how you would want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is going to be a pretty long, we're going all the way to um, verse 17. So it's a little bit long, but I'm going to be reading from um, the New Living Translation. And if you need to close your eyes to concentrate, don't, just don't get lost, okay? Don't get lost here. So here we go. Uh, Life in the Spirit, Romans 8.1 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of a life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of, because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Don't get lost here. Stay with me. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Um, this is a really cool verse. Uh, and actually, when I, when I was a senior in high school and I decided to move to Texas, I had lived in Florida and do an internship we had these things called scripture presentations where we memorized all of Romans 8 and we would present them in a really cool way where one person would go out and quote like Romans 8, 1 and then another person would do 8, 2 with them and then all the guys would speak the next three verses and then all the girls and then some people would pull back and it was a really cool thing. But we, we memorized Romans 8 and Romans 8 is a great, great chapter to memorize 
because then it goes through um, how the Spirit helps us later, and it goes through um, how we'll face persecution, but we don't have to worry because even though persecution externally may be all around us, it ends off saying internally there's nothing that will separate us from Christ. And I love that verse because I'm not scared of other things separating me from Christ. I'm scared of me separating me from Christ. And in that, in that verse, it's really clear where it says nothing um, external or internal can take you out of God's hand. I don't know if you remember this, but Pastor Bob, I don't know if it was a year or a couple of years ago, he, he talked about how, um, how when God has us, there's no getting out, right? And I just picture when my daughter, she's really into giving fits right now. Do you guys know what that is, right? It's just called sinful nature. <laughs> called, uh, it's called uh, born, being born into iniquity. Uh, but uh, um, she's really into giving fits, and sometimes I'll have to hold her, and she tries to get out, right? It's like, nah, you ain't going nowhere, right? And, and it's a great picture of, of Christ saying, no, not even you can wiggle yourself out of this, right? I got you. And how, how secure is that? But we're talking about living in the spirit. And before, if you really like Romans 8, you'll really enjoy the end of Romans 7, where Paul is setting up this idea where we all want to do what's right, but we, we always fail. Okay? We always fail. And, um, and C.S. Lewis, a mere Christianity, he says this. He says, you'll never know how hard it is to live right until you try to live right right? (laughs) He says, you'll never know that. Like before you knew Christ and before you try to live a good life, right? Before you try to say, okay, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to, you never know how hard it is, right? Because you're just doing whatever you want. Um, The same is true. Like uh, before uh, you get married, right? It's so, uh, it's so easy living for yourself, isn't it? You get to wake up whenever you want. You can, don't even remember. You get to wake up whenever you want, right? You get to eat whatever you want. You get to do whatever you want. You know what? I am going to watch this eighth episode on Netflix, right? <laughs> right? Uh, it's so easy, right? And then you live with someone else that's like, what? This other person is wanting me to do things and is asking me to do things. And what, what's going on here? Why am I so frustrated, right? And, uh, and so for those who are married, there's that. And then when you have kids, right? Then it takes it to another level, right? So not only are, do you have, are you married to someone, but then you have kids that just suck your time and resources and energy in the best way. Hopefully one day, right? Uh, it'll pay off, all right? But um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But it, it just talks about how when you try to live right, it seems that there's something always messing you up. And, and they draw it out as far as saying that that's your sinful nature, Right? And we know that living right has to do with following the law. And, and in the Old Testament, the law was given to us. Now, it wasn't until Jesus came around that we talked about how the whole reason the law was put in place to show that you'll never make it. And what a depressing point that God wanted to give to us, right? I'm setting this up just to prove that you will never make it, right? And so in youth, we do this thing quite often. We say, okay... Let's just take the Ten Commandments, right? Not a lot of people argue that the Ten Commandments are wrong. They'll argue where you can place them, right? You can't put them here and you can't put But nobody really argues that we should be killing people. Like, I don't know about that commandment, right? Maybe there's some wiggle room there. All right, no, you shouldn't murder, okay? And so uh, let's just do this quick quiz, all right? Um, Thou shalt not lie. How many of y'all lied before, okay? 
And this is in the, this is the part in the sermon and every week and it gets really old where I say, and if you haven't raised your hand, that's at least the second lie. <laughs> right? And then everybody laughs, right? And then uh, how many of you ever disrespected your parents? Right? Yeah, okay, yeah, right? And you raised your hand a little too quickly on that one. Uh, but I'm not, I'm, we're on the same boat. Sorry for calling you out, brother. All right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then people are like, well, I've never committed adultery, Johnny, okay? And then, uh, but then we're shown in Matthew 6, Jesus says, yeah, but, um, you know, if you think lustfully after someone, it's like the same thing. And then everyone goes, shucks, all right? Uh, got me on that one again, Jesus, <laughs> all right? Uh, and the same with murder, you know, there's always like, who's ever committed murder? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, people are like, I've never killed anyone. Uh, but Jesus said, if you had anger in your heart, right, towards someone else, it's, it's, it's the same. It's the same. You just didn't act on it, right? Uh, so, all right, 10 for 10, we all fail. We all fail. And so the law was given to show that, and Romans 7 talks about that. And I love the end of Romans 7, because Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who can help me? You're saying that I'm damned if I disobey God, but I'm damned if I try to obey the law because I can't, right? And what we're talking about today in living through the Spirit, it gives us a third way to live, okay? It gives us a third option because if you notice in here, uh, let me roll back up here to Romans 8, uh, verse 3. It It even says this, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, So the great news about Christianity and where a lot of us get it wrong is we're not trying to get people to live a moralistic life because that leads to damnation also, all right? And in the Bible, we're shown this over and over and over again. That's a little bit long intro, but let's stick with me for a little bit longer, okay? Um, I still remember the sermon and the moment it was Kim and I were dating where I heard a sermon where all this kind of was revealed to me. I had a revelation about all this, and it was a story of the prodigal sons, right? And this guy, Tim Keller, was preaching the sermon. He said, both sons, if you read this story, both sons wanted what the father had, but they did it in two different ways. The younger son, what did he do? He rebelled, and he said, give me all my inheritance. But the older son, he obeyed to get what the father had. He said, I'm going to stay here, and all of this will be mine. And if you look at the end of the story, is the older brother, is he loving? Is he compassionate? No. What hap- The story ends with him outside the house. Now, that's a parable. That's not, that's not an accident that Jesus cut the story off there with the older brother outside the house and the younger brother inside with the father. And if you look and you kind of read the Bible through this lens of does moralistic living bring us closer to God, you'll see that Jesus' harshest words were to those who were living according to the law. Right? Yeah? Um, I don't know if you know, I don't know too much about Middle Eastern culture, but I've heard someone say that calling someone a snake and a viper is a huge diss, okay? And that's what Jesus did with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Guess what? In biblical times, I'd be a Pharisee or a Sadducee, right? <laughs> they, were the, they were the religious count. They were the religious people. I'm up here preaching to you right now. That is me, okay? <laughs> if you're in here, you're probably them too, okay? And so I want to caution you in saying, if you have a long history in church, this is where your default might be. And all that to say is you're either living by the sinful nature, which it's really easy to prove that, you're far from God, 
But a lot of us try to obey the laws of Moses, and it doesn't bring us any closer to God. And I just want to say the only way we are close to God is by living through the Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, okay? So when I saw the parable of the two sons and saw that one son was rebelling, but one son didn't know the father either. He didn't know his heart. He wasn't close to him. He was left outside the house. And it just dinged me in my mind, right? I was like, whoa. Uh, because you know what? A lot For a lot of my Christian walk in growing up with Christ, I thought I was a tool that God was going to use for others to know him, not realizing that I was a, I am going to go here, a tool myself, all right? <laughs> Sorry, I always feel so corny when, when I say that. But I never viewed myself as an object that needed him too. I was like, I'm going to do great things for God. He's going to use me so much, it's going to be so awesome. Do you see the, the ridiculousness of that, right? God's going to use me so much. And listen, God will. But sometimes God uses your failures to show his grace. <laughs> right? Like, look at this idiot, right? And I love him. All right? Isn't that awesome? I, I, aren't I so awesome? Right? Is that not the story of Israel? They failed over and over and over. And God's like, I have every reason to kick you to the curb. But I'm, I keep my promises. And I'm going to love you with an everlasting love. And what a, what a, what's more beautiful than that, right? I can understand a God that would reciprocate love that's given to him. But a God that loves regardless, what's more beautiful than that? So how do we live in the, um, how do we live in the spirit? How do we do this? Well, he gives us a couple of hints here. First off, we need to win the internal battle. Uh, in verse 5, it says this, Romans 8, 5, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Just a second. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of us lose the battle of the mind? How many of us lose that? It's tough, right? That's tough. Uh, if you can win the internal battle, you'll have no problem with the external battles. Um, I, I used to, before I was married and I could just be by myself <laughs> for long periods of time, uh, I worked at a church and on Mondays we had our day off, right? And Mondays would go by and I wouldn't talk to one person. Right? Have you ever had that happen? And you're just kind of living your own, you're in your own head for a whole day, right? And uh, you ever have someone speak to you while you're doing that? Or maybe you're at the store and you're thinking about someone speak to you like, oh, what, what? Uh, uh, I can speak, yes, right? Like, and you're talking for the first time. You just live in your mind. And I know a lot of people, and even, even me myself, where our minds are a really, really important thing to keep in check, Right? And the Bible is saying here, the first thing you need to know if you're going to live by the Spirit, that's what we're talking about today, how do we live by the Spirit, is by controlling your mind. By controlling your mind. Because you know how easy it is to get one thought, one thing, one thing interjected in your mind, just spin off. Right? Just spin off into places. And the Bible says if you're going to live by the Spirit, you need to win the battle of the mind. Um... And, and this is where accountability and being in community is so important and also why speaking the truth is so important. There is so much power in, 
And speaking truth is so, so, so important. Um, even looking biblically and even in how we structure churches, what I'm doing right now is speaking, right? Um, what we do when we sing, you know why it's so important for you to sing or to speak? Because there's power in that. If you look, when Jesus healed people, he didn't, he didn't have to say it. He could have just been like, I don't know, that's maybe too superstitious. Or he could have just nodded, right? And people could have, but no, he didn't. He would speak. How about when the world was created? If you have enough power to create the world, why do you have to speak? Once again, but Jesus said, let there be light. He said it. I know this. I know it's really, really easy to think things, but it's really hard to say things. Um, there, me and my wife may argue at times. It's not confirmed, but we may. Uh, and in those situations, if there is a time that we argue, here's what I know. In my mind, I could say, I need to forgive my wife. I do forgive my wife. Or, or not that. I don't have a problem forgiving her. I have a problem asking for forgiveness. That's what I want, meant to say, right? In my mind, I could say, I should ask for forgiveness right now. I would really like to ask for forgiveness. But you know what's hard? Asking for forgiveness. <laughs> I have no problem in my mind thinking about it. But speaking it? Come on, don't, don't act like y'all don't know where I'm coming from, right? You guys know where I'm coming from. How, how hard is it to speak those things out? That's why it's important to hear the truth, right? Even if you go to Romans 10, how does it say that you're saved? By thinking about God a lot? By thinking, no, it says confessing with your mouth, right? You have to speak it out, right? When we pray for people, it's important to speak that out. We're not just supposed to be like, hey, bro, I, I just killed that prayer for you. <laughs> I killed it, right? How do you encourage people? You speak, you tell them. How do you tell someone you're loved? You speak those things. And you know what? We can all, I would guarantee all of us could think of times in our life where words have absolutely cut us down and we still carry that to this day. Maybe a father, a mother, a friend, a teacher, someone close, a spouse. But in the same time, I know words can absolutely boost your entire day. I know a word from my wife can just make me ride high for the rest of the week, right? And so um, if you're going to control your mind, if you're going to live by the Spirit, it's very clear you need to speak truth, you need to be around truth. In the Bible, it talks about um, husbands. One of our roles is to wash our wives with truth and, and, and speak those things. I love that terminology, washing um, I love the, the refreshment, like we don't bathe once a week, right? Oh, we don't have mid-high boys in here, we're good, all right? Um, we don't, we, we do that every, well, maybe every day, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it's a continual thing of reminding us, because you know what? You are constantly bombarded, and the Bible says that we have a sinful nature that will constantly twist and speak into us things that aren't true. And if you're going to win the mind to be able to live according to the Holy Spirit, you need to speak truth, be around truth, remind yourself of that truth. There's a rubber band, Paul. There's a, a, a short story. Nope, he's not, he's not doing oh, oh, nope. Now we're all distracted. All right, um, there's, a, there's an analogy. I want to give one more analogy. There was a guy um, over, he was visiting India. And I don't know why India... It's not, it's not a real story, but I'm just going to tell you a little story. 
and uh, he uh, was walking the streets and he saw a guy that had the word uh, uh, something tattooed on his forehead. And he goes up to that guy and he says, what does that guy have on his forehead? He goes, oh, that guy. It says loser. And he goes, what? How would anyone ever tattoo on themselves loser on their forehead? And the guy said, well, you know, he had that tattooed on his heart before it was ever on his forehead. Right? And once again, I just want to accentuate what is tattooed on your heart? What are the truths? What What are the things that are spoken on your heart that need to be overruled by truth? And it kind of annoys me when people say, you know, I've grown up in the church, so it kind of brainwashed me. As if no other types of brainwashing exists. Every movie is brainwashing you. Every song is brainwashing you. Every book, every conversation, it can be brainwashing you. Brainwash yourself with truth. If you're going to do any brainwashing, okay? Brainwash yourself with truth. All right, moving on. Um, So, if we're going to, it says if we're going to live by the Spirit, if we're going to live according to the Holy Spirit, we need to control the mind. Um, We're not to be weak-minded. As Christians, we're supposed to uh, have strong minds. But how how do we do this when at times I feel weak-minded? How do I get control of my mind? Um, Well, he gives us an encouragement for those who are feeling down and saying, I, I do have things tattooed on my heart and in my mind, and I sometimes I feel like I can't control that. How how can I get through that? There's a wonderful, awesome truth here in verse 11. Let's read it real quick. That should be encouraging to all of us. It says this, verse 11. The Spirit of God, that's capital S, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wow. When I was studying about this, I was reading about this, I was shook. I had forgotten about that, right? So many times we think that it's us. All right, Johnny said, I got to have a good, I, gotta, I need to wash my mind with truth. I got to get my heart right. I got to do that. Let me, let me just do that. But we fail over and over and over. Let me give a personal testimony. Um, even in preparing for this, the Holy Spirit was doing different things where even my, uh, uh, recently my wife was saying, what's going on in your heart? We were connecting. She's like, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Let me think about it, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting there thinking, and I said, I just feel empty. I feel empty. And I came across this, and I was thinking about it and saying, how wonderful that even though I feel empty, and I would guarantee that some of you feel empty at times, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us right now. It's not your works that are going to get you back to living right. It's not following the law. And it's not just saying, I give up. But there's a third way of living through the Spirit that the same Spirit lives in you. I love this because how many times, if we're being honest, we just view the Bible as Bible stories? (laughs) Right? Like, does it ever trip you up where you say, uh... I could, if I had a time machine, I could actually go back and witness these things. Like, they're not just made up. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. That's awesome. How encouraging is that? And this is the reason why we can be strong-minded. 
Because we're also told that it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And that we don't have to shore up our defenses and say, all right, let's once again get everything together. Johnny says, I have to do better. What I'm saying is church is a place where you can feel empty and the Holy Spirit resides in us if you are God's child. And that same spirit, the same power that was using, that Jesus Christ used and that raised him from the dead is living in us. So what excuse, or I should say, I shouldn't say excuse, so what could stop you now? What could stop you now? Um, I, want to, I want to show one other thing here. The very last verse in 17 says this. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. If we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Um, I love this because, once again, I love how honest the Bible is in saying you have all these great tools. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you by, by grabbing hold of your mind, by grabbing hold of your heart, and living by the Spirit. What could stop you? And then it says, because there's suffering coming, <laughs> right? It's like, thank you for being so honest. I would hate it if Christianity was like, and then nothing bad will ever happen, <laughs> right? I think that's a little bit cheap. Um, but uh, I love that it's honest in saying, even with this suffering, we get to share the glory. And later on it says, we have a future expectation. And like I told you, Romans 8 wraps it up by saying, nothing would be able to separate you. Nothing will be able to separate you. All right, so that's Roman, uh, Romans 8. There's just a couple more things I want to highlight in um, Galatians 5. So turn your phones or your Bibles if you're old-fashioned. <laughs> To Galatians 5. And once again, we're going to read a little chunk here, okay? Because I want to accentuate the uh, living according to the... We got time, too. We're early. That we don't live according to the law or being good. If you're there, say whoop. Just waiting for Kevin. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Unless he's... <laughs> Wi-Fi in here. All right. Um, here we go, Galatians 5.1. So this is also talking about living by the Spirit, okay? And look at how much it kind of mirrors Romans 8. All right, see if you can pick up on some things. Here we go, Galatians 5. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free... And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Let me quick, take a quick time out. He's responding to people that were saying, once you become saved, you need to then become circumcised. Because back in the day, only Israelites were circumcised and nobody else was. So they were converting Gentiles and saying, okay, now that you're a Christian, go get circumcised. All right? Ouch. All right. Uh, it's the only awkward comment I'll have about that. All right. I just wanted to give you some context because when sometimes when you read this, you're like, is, is, that, a, is that a different word for something else back then? Is that, no, it's the same thing. Okay? All right. Verse 4. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off 
from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit, that's what we're talking about, eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness of God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Verse 7, you are running the race so well. What has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who's called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. And we're going to skip down to verse 16, but I need to make one more shot. I know I said it was the only awkward comment. But Paul then goes on to say this. If circumcision really proves that you're a Christian, why stop there? Cut the whole thing off. All right? Show that you're really a Christian. I promise you. Read on. All right? But we're going to skip to verse 16. So this is so he's saying, once again, what I said earlier, what mirrored in Romans 8, it's not by living through the law. It's not by doing what's right. It's by living through the Spirit. So what does that mean? Verse 16, this is where we're picking it up. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses or the Old Testament. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. (coughs) Excuse me. 22. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We who are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Another. Once again, I want to highlight here, living by the Spirit does not mean following the law or following the rules. The Bible is very clear in saying it's something different. And that by living through the Spirit, you have freedom from that. Because Jesus lived the law, and he did that, as Romans 8 pointed out, so that we wouldn't have to. His life is the perfect example, and it was transposed on us, and our lives were transposed to him, and he took our lives and died for them, and we take his perfect life and live through that with the Spirit. So that's the first thing. I want to highlight that again because we can never, ever, ever get away from that. At churches and people outside the church, they always think Christians are about them living a better life. And it's not about that at all. It's about them living a new life. It's about dying to your old life and living a new life, not becoming moralistically good. I'm telling you, if you invite people to, to Easter, they might say this, well, I just, I just feel like I need to get my life right again. Then I'll come to church. 
Do you see how antithetical? Do you see how opposite that is to what the Bible is saying? <laughs> don't worry about that try at a hard word, all right? So I already took my SAT. I don't need to do that again. Um, you see how opposite it is to the gospel, which is it's not about how you're living now. It's about dying to your old life and living through the spirit. All right, moving on. The, in Galatians 5, what I want to highlight here is just two quick things and then we'll be done. Number one, he gives us a test on, to see which spirit you're living in. Are you living according to the sinful nature? Or are you living according to the Holy Spirit? Really easy. He gives us a test and he says, what does your life look like? What does your life look like? And let's read through the test, all right? So if your life is looking like this, this is a hint to you. Because it's very hard to say, what am I living to? He, he gives us an answer here. It says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. I love that one that that's thrown in there, right? And other sins like these, right? So don't raise your hand right now, right? Do not, okay? But how many of us can say, all right, here's a great easy test. What does my life look like? What's the output of my life? If someone were to take an objective view and have a planner and write down my activities, right? What are those activities producing? If it's on this list, that means that you're living according to your sinful nature, all right? And listen, that's okay. It's okay to realize that. You know what's worse than not realizing that? Being ignorant or thinking that you're doing good and you're not, okay? So once again, I just told you, it's a, you don't have to get your life right before you come in here. <laughs> if you match 100% on every one of those, welcome, Okay? But what does that mean? What is that telling you? Well, that's telling you if you're a Christian that you're following your sinful nature. You're following your sinful nature. And what's better than being ignorant is understanding and knowing, oh, okay, here's where I stand. Here's where I stand. The second part says this. Well, maybe I follow some of those, but Johnny, am I living according to the Holy Spirit? Am I living by the Spirit? Well, he gives us an example here. And I'll say this, this is a whole sermon that we could preach on other than this, but it says here, and it's not a, it's not a mistake, and I would have never caught this because I think I slept through all the grammar lessons in English, all right? Uh, don't sleep in school. Uh, but uh, I think I did, like, I, I can't even tell you what an adverb is, all right? I, I think those are a myth, okay? Uh, but um, it's been pointed <laughs> I'm always laughing because I'm going to school now, and she reads all my papers, right? She's like, you're a subject procedure predicate here or whatever i don't even know as you can tell by my okay let's move on what i'm trying to say here is it's been pointed out many times that it says it doesn't say the fruits of the spirit it says the fruit of the spirit and it lists off all these things what does that mean that means you're not you can't live by the spirit and have only one of these going it's saying they're all equal that if you're living by the Spirit, all these areas in your life, you'll see the fruit, right? I thought that was so neat when I heard that. I was like, ah, the Bible's so cool. All right, so if you're living by the Spirit, 
What should you see a part of your life? You should see love. You should see joy. How about this? Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Self-control. Now here's where I want to encourage you. Um, you guys know how growth works, right? Personal growth or even physical growth, right? Let's take Jalen for an example. That joker's tall, <laughs> right? But you know what? He hasn't seen himself grow. Why? He's been with himself every day. He's not waking up going, whoa, three inches. Where did that come from? Ah. All right. He doesn't talk like that anyways, all right? But uh, he doesn't see that, right? But you guys have been there too. When you visit family out of town, what do they do? Oh my gosh, look how big you've gotten, right? Uh, Sue said that today about Kaylee and Livy, right? They're like, oh my gosh, they're so big, right? Yes, yes, we all know how growth works. When it's you and when you're close to it, you never see growth, ever. But you know what? Those around you can. And that's why community is so important. I don't want you to read this list and say, I still, I still struggle with patience. I still struggle with self-control. Peace? God, I, I never have peace. I wish I had so much more peace. I want to encourage you, if that's you, if I just read that list and that's you, I want you to talk to those around you. Get some, please get some objective feedback instead of you. This is a good self-test, but it's also a good other people test. <laughs> It's also a good test to ask people because there are plenty of examples, and especially when we're here in January when we do our celebration service where people tell stories about where we've come and how we've grown, and we go, oh, yeah, I forgot that about you. I forgot you struggled there. Look at how far you've come, right? Because when we're living with our lives, we're always like, oh, am I ever going to get it? Am I ever going to get this area right? Am I ever going to get this area right? Am I ever going to get this area right? And you forget, for whatever reason, you, you forget the victories you've had, right? In some sense, um, I'm always bringing new problems to God, right? So even when one problem's taken care of and I could celebrate, I'm always like, well, hold on, hold on. Check out what's new, all right? Here's what's going on now, right? And we never really have that time of saying, thank you, God, for bringing me through this, for doing this. I mean, we've had people in here through jobs, through um, going through depression, going through uh, family problems, going through problems with kids, I mean, uh, school, just all these ways that God's provided. Uh, and I just want to encourage you and say there, there is growth. And here's how I know. It's inevitable. Right? Anybody think of the Matrix right there? Okay. Inevitability. Mr. No, he's Mr. Anderson. All right. Never mind. I'm the youth pastor, okay? That's how my mind works. Uh, it's inevitable. If you live in the Spirit, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. So I want to encourage you. All right. So where, where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Riken, that's going to leave us with Riken coming on up. And I don't know. I don't know where that leaves you. I don't know where that leaves you. And you know what? It's not my job to tell you where it leaves you. I think if we're living a part of the Spirit, and we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit lives in us, how it has this amazing power, how we, uh, it produces growth, it produces change in us, I think it leaves us with asking what's next. What's next for you? Maybe it's controlling your mind. 
Maybe it's saying, God, how can, I, how can I strategically start to capture those thoughts that come in my mind? Maybe it's speaking truth. Heck, maybe it's next time in service singing songs. Maybe, you, maybe you're one of those that don't sing. Don't sit next to me. You'll hear me. Some of you should sing louder next to me so you don't hear me sing, okay? Uh, well, where does that leave you? Speaking truth. Does that leave you with um, just asking, hey, maybe, maybe I've been living with my sinful nature too much? Maybe some of you said, hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just trying to, uh, hey, uh, here's how I always fall back into works. Let me show you an example. I woke up this morning, and you know what my first thought was? I started to pray for the service, and you know what my prayer was? God, don't let my mistakes or my shortcoming prevent you from working today. As if God is limited by me. <laughs> Fall right back into it. Right? And I'm so thankful that as soon as I prayed that, I thought, it doesn't matter, John. It doesn't, you're, you're going back to works. And I know you do it too, right? Say, oh, God, I would love to pray to you right now, but I haven't been at church in a while. Or I messed up the two nights ago. Or I've, I've been struggling with anger and I know you're not going to listen to me now, so I won't even pray. That is worse. That's the law. That's saying you need to live right before God's going to listen to you. That's just not how it works. And it's hard because we've been brainwashed that people should treat you how you treat people. Well, aren't you glad we serve a God who's bigger than that? Who says, I'm going to treat you regardless. Let's just close our eyes for a moment here. We'll sing a song here. and We're going to spend about, uh, we're still good on time. We're going to spend about three minutes uh, singing after I'm done praying. If you'd like to stand, that's fine. If you want to write, that's fine. If you want to hold your spouse's hand or you want, um, even if you want prayer, that, that's fine. But before we move forward, I, I don't want to, I want you to be able to spend time because I'm nervous. If you're anything like me, it's very hard to set time aside to connect with God when you really, really need to. Because here's how the Holy Spirit works. Right now, he's saying to your hearts, finally got you. I finally got you in a quiet place. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. We'll sing. And I'm just going to let you determine what's next for you. Father God, as we hear about this sermon, it's been so timely in my own life. And I pray that it would be timely in everyone else's life. Living by the Spirit isn't some weird or isn't some mystical or, or, or shouldn't be some foreign thing to us. I just pray, God, that as we move forward in our Christian walk, we would realize how important the Holy Spirit is in the role that He plays in our lives and how important it is that we tap into this resource we have. 
help us as we spend the next couple moments in song just to just to do something in our hearts